Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast special edition. It's the leftovers, uh, the the information dump, if you will. Uh, we're going to start doing this on a weekly basis because, you know, I get to call a game for Fox every week. And how blessed am I, I get to live out my childhood dream of not only playing, but talking about football on television. And every every week that you do this, you're like the only guy, you know, that week for those two teams that gets to talk to the head coaches, the quarterbacks, the coordinators, you know, the the, the uh, so prominent defensive player, whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of stuff when you do a game, and you know this, you've done games, where, you know, if you get 20% of the information you have based upon how the game is flowing, into the broadcast, you've you've gotten a lot of stuff in there. So there's a lot of stuff that's left on the, you know, on the chopping block that never gets out there. So I thought this would be a really cool way to take both of these fans uh, fan bases, Detroit and uh, the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons, back kind of, you know, in a more in depth kind of conversation about their two teams. Well, before we get to the eighty percent, maybe that you didn't get to cover, let's let's talk about what the fans of both teams had a chance to to watch. And for Lions fans, how impressed were you should Detroit fans feel really good about the fact that they won a game like that yeah. kind of a low scoring grinded out affair yeah I think I think there's a couple of things one um you can say whatever you want about Dan Campbell you know he plays the role of meathead well but he's a really smart football coach and the whole organization takes on the persona of that head coach I mean gracious cut and dry no BS. You ask him a question, he answers it, and he answers it honestly about exactly what went down. And the whole organization operates that way. Um, very gracious within that organization, but, you know, like very forthright. I love that about, about Dan Campbell. Now, here's one of the things he sat in the meeting and told us. He's like, hey, listen, the train does not stop rolling. They had both their starting safeties out. They had injuries across the defense. They had their right tackle playing left tackle. They missing their right guard. Their right, their new starting right tackle, who's the backup right tackle, ended up going out early in that game with an injury. So they brought in the third right tackle. He got hurt. They brought in the fourth right tackle in that game. So you're you're talking about you're talking about four guys deep. That guy just got essentially was like and inactive the week before. So you're talking about four guys deep on the offensive side of the ball. You've got all kinds of injuries, and you go out there and don't use any of that stuff as an excuse. You're well coached. 
and you've got some, you know, you've got some toughness and some grit about you, which Dan always preaches to his team, and you can see it in the way they play and the way they don't make excuses. Conversely, Atlanta, what did they fail to do in this game that they had done well in the first two games that you studied? Right. What did what did they miss out on? What what the, was missing on Sunday? Uh, so the Atlanta Falcons are a great, gr- I mean, a great run team. They can really run the ball. They really understand the wide zone. They understand the complementary complementary aspects, the gap stuff that that off the wide zone that they run exceptionally well. Um, and they have dominated in the first two games. They've dominated the line of scrimmage. They have run the style of the ball. Now, they never established that. And it was part of the game plan for Detroit was to say, hey, listen, we're going to bring pressures on first downs. We're going to try to get them behind the chains because we don't feel like right now their passing game is at a place where, you know, essentially, and, and this is me paraphrasing, this is not trade secret, but we don't feel like their passing game's in a place where they're going to beat us that way. And so you saw a lot of pressure. And, you know, if you go back to week two where they lost to the Seattle Seahawks, you saw some pressures that got home. You saw them bring some pressures. But they got to the quarterback only one time, and it was a, you know, scrambling around, hold the ball forever sack. But the bottom line is they did not get to the quarterback. And I had talked to Dan Campbell about it. I said, listen, your back end and your front end to me, your, your, your packages, your blitz pickup or your blitz packages and your pressure packages did not tie up well with your back end. And his response was, you're exactly right. And you'll see more man coverage this week. They, they brought pressure, but they tried to play zone behind it. And so they gave free access to Geno Smith, and Geno Smith just got the ball out of his hands so quickly that none of their pressures ever got there. So in this particular game, they brought pressures on a consistent basis to make Atlanta play from third down and long like situations. Um, and they stopped the running game early. They stopped it early and render, rendered it useless and, and they had a huge advantage. Seven sacks by six different guys from Detroit. I mean, this is a team that had one sack in the first two games, seven sacks, tons of pressures. They really did a good job, but they, they executed their game plan to perfection. So, yeah, the numbers back you up. Atlanta rushed for only 44 yards, forced Desmond Ritter 21 of 38 mm-hmm. for only 200 yards. All right, let's get to the, the information dump here, stuff that didn't make its way into the broadcast that everybody had a chance to watch. You get a chance to meet with, and we'll start with Detroit. You met with you met with Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, Aaron Glenn, uh, Alex Anzalone, what were some of the things that you guys talked about that really caught your interest that maybe didn't make its way into the broadcast that Lions fans would find really interesting? Yeah, I think um, I think one thing I had talked to Jared Goff about was just about the the level of disrespect that myself and other national analysts give him. Like when I talk about top ten quarterbacks, he never ever enters my mind, ever. And ultimately, I think it's time to change that. You look at his numbers, I mean, in every significant category since he and Ben Johnson started working together, Ben Johnson being the offensive coordinator, um, he's a top five or top ten quarterback in pretty much every significant category. Like, he just came off a streak where he threw 383 balls, attempts, without an interception. Second or third only to these two names, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But nobody, we don't talk about it. I mean, the guy is, the guy, his command of the offense. 
um, what he's doing both under center and in shotgun. Uh, just really interesting. By the way, you know how everybody has their own, like, cadence? So, you know, like, it, like Aaron Rodgers, you heard him all the time go, Green 19! Green 19! Had it! Well, in Detroit, Jer- Jared Goff uses turbo, turbo! Turbo, turbo! So in the meeting, I said, well, what's turbo mean? We hear it all the time. What's turbo mean? And he goes, I don't know. It was Sean McVay brought it over from Shanahan back in the Shanahan. And he just say turbo, turbo. And so that's how he starts his cadence, turbo, turbo. And he goes, I don't really know where it came from. Like the origin, I always find it fascinating, kind of the etymology of, of words and terms and how things come into, into existence. Like standard football vernacular, when you flip sides of the field, Everybody says, Riverside, Riverside. Everybody, every NFL team in the National Football League and every college team, when they flip from one side to the other, everybody says, Riverside. You ever wonder where it comes from? Me neither. I just was like, it's Riverside, Riverside. So, you know, my it was actually my director who said, what's Turbo mean? You know, he told me, can you ask him what? So I asked him, and he's like, I have no idea. So I went to the source. I went to Kyle Shanahan. I texted Kyle. I was like, hey, dude, what's Turbo, what's turbo mean? And he said, hey, it was, you know, it was a term we used when we were in kind of no huddle, um, you know, two minute situations where maybe we didn't need to hurry up, but we wanted it to be, you know, be quick, but don't hurry. It's not quite hurry up, but it is it is no huddle. We're going, you know, we're going on, you know, we're going on go type of type of. And that's where Turbo came from, and he just liked the term Turbo, so he's used it ever since. So, um, but I did ask him if it bothered him that nobody gave him credit, and he lied to me, of course, and said no, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> and then I said, "You're a liar," and I said, uh, "Come on, give me on a scale of one to ten. He goes, "Okay, a two. It does bother me a little bit." And I go, "Okay, lying again." Right. So I said, "Okay, that's about a six. Um, and so I told him that I was gonna, I was gonna, you know, really be kind in the broadcast. But I gave him the line that my coach used to give me all the time. Uh, I'm with your winter tide. Don't screw this thing up. And, uh, you know, we had a laugh over that. But really playing at a very high level. And one thing he said um, from Ben Johnson, who's going to be a head coach in this league, so Mm -hmm. just watch Ben Johnson. One of the things he said about Ben Johnson was he's given me a different perspective on football. So there's a lot of routes or route combinations that you only look to throw versus a certain defense. Like, hey, everybody and their brother's uncle throws a flat corner versus cover two. Like, the, the, everybody. And you'll go, you know, you'll go a, a smash route or, a, or, or something, a smash in front of the cornerback from number one and a corner on number two. Or you'll run number two, right, in the flat, and number one will give ground, go, and then he runs a corner. But, you know, however you, however you divvy up the combination, everybody runs that. Everybody. So, bottom line, he said, he has given me an opportunity to look at some things and say, well, why don't we run this route combination against that? And, like, we, like, good against all type of like, perspective, like, hey, we can still throw that. You, we just have to be careful about this or that. And it's really helped him kind of expand his horizons as opposed to, well, we don't throw that route combination versus that defense. So it's just a little different perspective there. For Falcons fans, yeah, you're, you're around a lot of coaches. You've been around coaches who are coaching really good programs, mm-hmm. and you've been around coaches who are coaching lousy programs. Right. What do you see when you talk and hear from Arthur Smith that would give Falcon fans the belief that, hey, right. we got the right guy? Yeah, I think, I think a couple of things. I think, one, um, 
they really are exceptional understanding the run game and understanding the physical nature of football. Um, and they tear teams up. And they've got a great one-two punch in Tyler Algier, who is a hammerhead running back. And Bajon Robinson is one of the most remarkable. He's like a video game. He, he truly is. Um, now, Detroit did a good job, and you, you can expect other people to do the same thing, right, to bring pressure and get them behind the chains and all that kind of stuff. But he understands the value of the run game, some of the schemes. There's some things that I saw um, that, frankly, you just don't see every week. And they use and mix their personnel between multiple tight ends and a fullback and multiple backs. You know, they get into what they call 21 ponies, so one tight end and two backs. But Bijan Robinson, Bijan, Bijan, like he told me, hey, man, I, I played seven on seven all growing up. So I played wide receiver. So there's not a route that that guy can't run. Like he's a, he, he's a top-notch wide receiver as well as a top-notch running back. So that passing game will continue to expand um, off their run game. Um, their weakness is, is really pass protection. That's a, a weakness of that football team, and their passing game isn't where it needs to be. But I believe it'll grow, and based on Arthur Smith's understanding of the run game and how he wants to establish that, um, I think I think really good things. I think Atlanta is going to be fighting for a playoff berth. I really do. They may be fighting for that division crown in Atlanta. So good stuff. Both teams, very impressed with both of them. And um, – I think both teams got staying power. All right. Let's do this every week. I like it. Because yeah. uh, the fact remains is that, uh, you know, you're one of the very few people on this planet, you know, that have this kind of insight into these right. games. There's four, there's, literally, there's 14 of us yeah. that do games right. on, on a weekly basis. So for you to be able to come out and yeah. talk directly to Atlanta and Detroit fans and say, hey, let me take you inside the guts right. of, of these teams in this game. So I'll tell you stuff. both this, both Lion fans and, and Falcon fans, I think your organizations, both of them are in good hands with the head coach and, and the direction they're trying to go in. So uh, kudos to, to all of you. All right. For Mike, I am Mark. Thank you so much for listening to the Stink of Truth podcast, the information dump. We'll be back with you next week.